Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. Welcome, everyone, to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, a proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Network. A new voice behind the mic. It's E. Mendy. It's Eric. It's Doc. Who knows what I did with David this week? Is he going to come back? Guess he'll just have to listen on some future episodes. Cheesecake's going to be in the main section. Had a little bit of bad connection here. But I got the newest member of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball joining me. It's the man that can once again play video games. The man that has a nice beard. It's Marty Tallman. What's going on, my friend? Hey, man. Always great to, always great to be here. Thank you for a great intro as always. Yeah, so, you know, having that major wrist surgery, you know, it's been pretty gnarly, but I'm finally able to open doors and play video games. So, you know, that's uh, one thing at a time, but it's exciting. You don't, let, you don't realize what you, you miss. Are you going to go back to skateboarding or are you retiring? I will go back. Yep. And, I've, and I'll learn to tuck my arm when I fall so I don't miss Oh, my gosh. The resilience. That's a true yeah. athlete saying, I'm coming back stronger <laughs> from an injury. We're going to continue the segment we had last week where we kind of did an overview of the AL East and fixing up that that division. We're going to stay on the East side and do the NL. We're joined by a couple special guests, Michael Govier and Peter Pratt, the UK Marlins fan, the man himself. After that, we're going to go to our question of the week, which is which team could use a jersey upgrade? Spoiler, a lot of us thought the same. And then we'll have our surprise game at the end of the week. But first, we're going to do a little bit of news and notes. Around this time of year, we got a little bit... Most of the news and notes are signings. And I'm going to start with the first one here. And and, um, you can go to TripPlayFantasy.com because Marty wrote a great article about this. It's Eduardo Rodriguez for his hometown Detroit Tigers, signing a five-year deal worth between $77 to $80 million. 28 years old right now, 29 when the season begins. So, Marty, I'm going to give you the floor. What are your thoughts on the signing? Yeah, so I love it for from both perspectives. From you know a real-life perspective, the Detroit Tigers have not spent money ever since Chris Illich took over for his father as the owner. So it's been four or five seasons of knowing we're going to be bad and not doing anything about it and being okay. So this is the first time they, where they've extended. You know, this is a huge contract. You know, Going five years is probably one more year than um, most franchises would have been comfortable with. And everything that I'm reading, it's considered a data play. So apparently the Tigers have hired, you know, a bunch of um, advanced analytics people, and they all told them that, hey, he's your guy. He's the man to go after. So uh, I'm excited from a uh, just a fan standpoint of the Tigers, but from a fantasy perspective, I really, really like it too. He's out of the AL East. You know, he's able to, um, you know, man, it's so hard to pitch in that division day in, day out in those ballparks. And just overall, so last year, if you just look at Erod's numbers, he did have a career high 4.74 ERA. But you look under the uh, look under the hood there, right? And you'll see he had a career best 3.55 x ERA, a career best 3.32 FIP, and a career best 3.43 x FIP. So he's doing everything that he can. He's still limiting um, hard hit contact at an elite rate. He's still one of the best at that, and he had a career high 27.4 percent K percentage. So everything that I'm seeing is, you know, from a fantasy perspective, it's been backed up by the organization giving him such a huge contract. So um, Arrow is pointing up for Mr. Erod. 
it's a good feeling when you sign off on a team's uh, free ag- free agent acquisition, especially when it's as infrequent as the Tigers have been doing, you know, dealing out big money. Um, speaking about big money, I mean, Jose Barrios, the Blue Jays traded for him, seven-year, $131 million extension. He's 27 right now. He's going to be 34 when the contract contract runs out if he goes through the entirety of this. I love it. I think when you traded for him last year, he was in the long-term plans. They're really stacked on hitting. I figure this closes the door on any potential Robbie Ray reunion. Marty, did you like this signing? Um, I like it for the Toronto Blue Jays you know, from a um, you know, real-life perspective, right? They needed somebody in there. Uh, you know, he pitches so much. You know, he's going to give him close to 200 innings. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, I hate the AL East. And Jose Brios has this thing where he loves to give up ball, uh, balls that are hit so hard. And when you do that, in that, in all of those ballparks with those big squads, it usually bites you in the butt. Um, I had, I probably watched every one of his starts in Toronto and he got pretty lucky, you know, just by watching it overall. So, um, I'm happy for him. Anytime a player gets that much money, that's incredible. Um, but from a fancy, fantasy perspective, the wins are going to come. So that's going to be great. He's going to be able to pitch a lot, but his ERA and his whip, I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that the Blue Jays, who have been, you know, kind of frugal spenders themselves, they spend big on George Springer last offseason, Brios this uh, offseason. You know, they're going to have to lock up Vlad and Bo Bichette. At some point, I don't think they're going to trade them. So, you know, they're really going after it. And, uh, you know, good for Brios to secure the bag. Speaking about securing the bag, Noah Syndergaard, one year, $21 million to the Angels on a one-year deal. A little bit surprising as there was speculation he was going to come back to the Mets. Um, He turned down their qualifying offer. It's, to me, a little bit of a puzzling signing. He's pitched two innings in the past couple of years coming off uh, thoracic outlet syndrome and and Tommy John surgery. Um, surgery. And, and the biggest, even more kind of question mark to me is he wrote like a kind of a, like a, a goodbye New York, you know, something that that star players that people have or that have done a lot for the city have done, and I don't think he has. Like, yeah, uh, just I think he's Thor. I think there was a good three year you know stretch where he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. You know, he's got the long hair, he's got the swag. The New York media up until now loved him. Um, but yeah, now as far as from a standpoint for the Angels. The Los Angeles Angels um, of Anaheim of California, or whatever the hell their name is, but this is like the first time that they're really putting out a lot of money to invest in the pitcher, and it's I'm with it. It's puzzling. It had to be somebody, right? But like for for someone that's so at, like at a point where we don't know what we're going to get from Los Angeles, right? Um, what we do know is he will give up the most stolen bases against every single year. So I played in a fantasy uh, league where I had. Stolen bases against pitcher, and yes, I'm serious. And I had Syndergaard, and I found out that he will give up close to 20 a year. But anyway, that's neither here or there. Um, for the Angels itself, it's a good signing. I mean, there's no one really, no one wants to go there right now. They finally want to put a, a big name, as they always want to do. They'd rather sign the big name than find like a, a, a team that, or a player that's going to be better in the long term. Um, for his fantasy, out, it's it's fine. I I think it's middling. I, I think for Noah, it stays pretty much the same. It's not good. It's not bad. We'll see where we're at. I, I think it's kind of interesting. I, I'm a fan of the one-year deals. You know, if anything, if, if it's a bad year, then whatever. You just, you know, cross it out. I don't really understand it. The Angels aren't anywhere in close to contention. I get, like, you know, wanting to surround Mike 
Trout and, and saying like, hey, look, we're making an attempt. We signed Rendon. We traded for Dylan Bundy. But I, I just don't think they're anywhere in close to contention. You know, maybe this is a move where if they're out of the playoffs by the trade deadline and he's having a little bit of a research in here, you can get some value for him. But uh, me personally, I wouldn't expect much. Once again, throwing two innings in the past two years. Um, got a little bit of a war time. Rookie of the year, Randy Rosarain in the AL, Jonathan India in the NL, Marty, were they deserving? Absolutely. Across the board. I mean, <clears throat> Randy Rosarain has been a rookie for years, and he's been doing a great job every, <laughs> each time he is. But, um, no, absolutely. From, yeah, I, I saw both, and they both made uh, sense to me. Um, I, re- I just from an investing standpoint, from fantasy, I'm, re- I'm going to be all over Randy Reason, over Randy next year. I don't know about Jonathan India. I, I question, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, that, they both definitely deserved it. What about you? What did you think? Uh, I mean, I think they were both deserving it. Randy Rosarena is that guy that's felt like he's a rookie forever. And spoiler yeah. alert, he won't be a rookie next year. I think Jonathan yeah. India was probably the most consistent. And you know, over the course of the season, and the Reds got hot towards the end of the, the season, um, you know, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, a war time for the managers. Gabe Kapler and the NL, I don't think anybody's going to argue. Uh, the Giants were probably the most surprising team in baseball this year over the entirety of it. And Kevin Cash in the AL, the first repeat winner. You know, I, I know the Rays have come short of expectations, but they've just been a great, great regular season team the past couple of years. So, um, you know, kudos to him. And, you know, hopefully the Rays get a little bit over that bump that they seem to have. Uh, just kind of closing out on some sad remarks. Julio Lugo passed at the age of 45. Uh, it was actually going to be his 46th birthday yesterday. So he passed one day before his birthday. Um, just very tragic. Hit 385 in the 2007 World Series for the Boston Red Sox. And, um, and just, just someone that's gone too soon. Marty, did you have any uh, memories of Julio Lugo? You know, other than them, you know, just beating up and beating up on the Detroit Tigers, but just overall, you know, and I think as you know, you're, I'm a little bit older than you, but as you get older, you know, and you see people that are kind of around your age, you know, or some, someone that was kind of, you know, um, you kind of grew up watching, you know, and they pass, it really hits you. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like when you're like a little kid, it's kind of this trivial thing. It's like, whoa, you know, and you really start going back. And I didn't realize how good he was, you know, just from, you know, because I wasn't following his career that closely. But, you know, when you have the, you see the news pop up and you take a look, he's actually a really good ball player. Yeah, and it's one of those things as well. Like, you know, that he obviously played in the era before social media, before Twitter, before, you know, anybody that does anything, you know, that's big or, or newsworthy, it can just, you know, kind of go viral. Um, but, you know, prayers to his family, and, and hopefully this is the last we're talking about, you know, death in baseball in any capacity. But on a little bit more of a positive note, if you like what you're hearing so far, make sure you subscribe to us. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Pods. We're on Google Podcasts. If we're not on your favorite podcast le- network, let us know. Follow us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube as well, putting out a lot of videos that aren't necessarily coming out to podcasts. If you want to be a friend, if you want to be a lad, if you want to be a fellow, like what Peter is going to be to us, Make sure you give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us. It really means a lot. And if you really like David being Vaughn this week, write to us and let us know. Should I be the new host and relegate David? That's something we're all here for. We're going to be back talking the NL East breakdown right after this. What's going on, everybody? 
Welcome back to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. No D-Mendy here. D-Mendy taking the week off, maybe the month, maybe the year, maybe the century. Maybe he's just done with Triple Play. I guess you'll have to keep tuning into our shows and watching. I got my normal guys with me. I got Art, Tornabeni, a.k.a. Lil Cheesecake, the most delicious dessert out there. How's it going? It's going really well. We're going to put on the best show. People aren't even going to miss D-Mendy. They're going to say, where did that guy go? I didn't even notice he wasn't there after this one. That's what I'm saying. That's what, That's I'm, what saying. I'm talking about. And we also got Marty Tallman, new member of Triple Play Fantasy Baseball. Semi-new because he's making his third consecutive show. What's going on, my friend? Hey, man. Anytime I have the opportunity to duck out of work a little early, you know, I think I might do it. Especially if I can talk some fantasy baseball. But uh, hopefully no one's watching. Yeah, you know, a, a big uh, big bird, or the you know middle bird to corporate America right now. We got two guests joining us. The first, he's a returning guest. We welcome in a man who I can honestly say is the most creative guy in this industry. He's on Roto Fanatic, Fantrax, a contributor for us at Triple Play Fantasy. His favorite letters yeah. might be L and Z because he's given you two of them on the Palazzo podcast. The man that has been an Uber driver in the neighborhood I live in years ago. We won't give away which area. <laughs> we welcome in Michael Govier. What's going on? Yo, the gales of November are slashing right now, and it's getting pretty, pretty scary out here. But even though it gets dark at 5 o'clock, I'm really excited to be here. I'm bringing the energy, bringing the flavor, not faking the funk on the nasty dunk. And I'm going to tell you, you that I was a contributor. I have not contributed much lately. I'm totally pooping the bed on that, but I do... I do try to do what I can. I give what I can, and uh, I definitely owe us a football video on the Triple Play YouTube channel very, very soon. All right. Well, I'm going to hold you to that then. Um, you know, you, you do great work for us and never short of entertainment. But we welcome in a new man, and you can say we're an international show now because we welcome in this man, this lad, this fellow from the UK. You can catch him on the Fish Across the Pond podcast, a Marlins media closer. Kim Ang fanboy, Roto Brits co-host. He loves his wine and can have at least seven glasses. Pretty good tolerance. He's a fan of alliteration, whether it be the Miami Marlins or his own name, because we welcome in Peter Pratt. What is going on? Boys, delighted to be here. The the podcast, the stream, we're international, international flavor now. So we just have to 10 o'clock here. I've had six wines. I've got one more left in the tank. Um, and then I'll be done. So, yeah, great to join you guys. Looking forward to this one. So is six or seven glasses, is that like the standard that gets you buzz, or is that like my limit? Oh, no, that's that's in trouble mode. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. two or three is like nicely buzzed, <laughs> and then like seven is get the stretcher ready, I think. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, you got a good tolerance then. Uh, that's more than David can drink. That's my first shot at him for the day. But, Peter, you know, for the people that aren't aware of what you're working on, you know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your podcast, kind of how you got involved with the Marlins media? Yeah, uh, it's a bit of a long story, and I'm, I'm involved in a few podcasts now, but the, it started with what is the baby, the Fish Across the Pond podcast, and I guess it's uh, it's effectively me hosting and multiple other UK Marlins fans. I know, shock. There's multiple uh-huh. UK-based Marlins fans. What the hell? <laughs> How did this happen? So I, I, I went on a family holiday to Miami, I don't know, 2017, 2016, whatever it was. Went to see a game. 
Stanton hit a home run. I went, whoa, this team looks good. I like this team. Um, then the sell-off happened, and I had already bought the jersey, so I was in. <laughs> I, so, I love it. Yeah. And then the podcast started to pop up in the UK. Some other guys were doing it. I thought, you know what? Let's get a UK Marlins pod going. That sounds like something people want to listen to. <laughs> no one listened. <laughs> and the uh, the production quality was poor. But anyway, it's been a fun ride. We've been three seasons now doing that pod. Um, so we do weekly. Uh, at the same time, a couple of years ago, me and another buddy fired up a, a fantasy baseball podcast, Roto Brits. So me and another guy, Ryan, uh, we, we, we do the, the Roto Brits show and Ryan's the brains and I'm the host effectively. He's, he's a stud and I'll just steer the ship. And, uh, Michael's been on there as well. We've had a, you know, we've had a few, few guests. It's been fun. Um, Good and time. I've started, started a new pod as well. I'm picking up the reins on, on the Locked On Marlins pod starting next week, I think. So, whoa. That, uh, okay. Natural fit right there. A natural fit. Yeah. So that, dropping the bomb, fun. baby. There we go. So daily, you got daily Marlins pods, UK flavor. So, on the so, so Peter, when the Marlins play a seven o'clock game, I mean, does that mean you're staying up till midnight and the early more the early hours of the morning to watch it? Or you just you watch it the it? next day. Have you seen this Marlins team? Who'd be staying up at that at like two a.m. to watch this Marlins team? People that have a podcast. That's who. No, 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 no. You've got a huge experience. It's a long season. It's a marathon. You've got to record <laughs> the games. You've got to have no spoilers and then watch next day um, without the spoilers. That's the way to do it. Just, you know, everyone's working from home now. I used to be in sales, traveling everywhere, going to clients. That's done. So I'm at, I'm at my home, you know, at home, watching the game in the morning, typing away, a few calls, watching a couple of Lewis Brinson home runs. What's more than, you know, perfect day. There, very few, very few home runs. <laughs> uh, work from home life for the win, but... We brought on Peter for a specific reason. We're going to continue last week's segment of fixing a division. And this week, you guessed it, it's the NL East. You know, he's, no, it's the Phillies, right? He's covering the Phillies, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's going to cover a different team. So we're going to give an overview on the team's situations, their outlook for 2022, contracts, all of that good stuff. Then we're going to go to our question of the week of which team could use a jersey upgrade. And we're going to have our game at the end. Oh! We're going to start off and we're going to switch from that to talking about some baseball. And we're going to start with you, Peter. So the first thing we want to talk about, some bad contracts the Marlins have. Are there any bad contracts? I know they don't have John Carlo anymore. Um, And if so, are they movable? (laughs) The Marlins have no, they they have no one committed. There's no money. Miguel Rojas, El Capitan, just extended. So he's in for two years now. Miggy wow. Rose going nowhere, El Capitan. The only cut, listen, the only guy I think that there's committed money to is Anthony Bass, Bass Mania. And no one wants to take Anthony Bass, even <laughs> if we, I don't know, he's absolutely terrible. Um, so is he movable? No, but he's fine. Bass is fine in the sixth inning when there's no high leverage spot. No problem with Bass, man. He's fine. Know your role. He is not a closer. That's it. Marlins, no other committed money. Everyone else has gone, traded away. So. You know, they do get rid of talent before they have to pay them. Um, and it's interesting because we had uh, Torres on before the season started. and We had a bet of who would be a better closer, Anthony Bass or uh, Alex Colome. And the answer was neither. And 
Uh, Anthony Bass is making $3 million. I mean, you don't think anybody trades for that, like, when they're desperate for a lever. I mean, Brad Hand got, uh, you know, a deal to the, Marlin, or to the Blue Jays last year. Somebody was desperate enough. I'd be absolutely shocked if uh, if the Bass man gathered anything in a trade return. So let's let's just kind of ink him into the sixth inning, no leverage spot. And he's fine in that role. If you go and actually look at his numbers from last year, which no one wants to anyway, but um, in, in, in non-high leverage spots, he was good. In high leverage, he was absolutely terrible. It's not what you want from a back-end reliever. So three million for a kind of, you know, a bullpen arm, oh, it's not ideal, but, you know, it's okay. Okay. Well, this will probably be the shortest segment for you uh, because the Marlins, you're right, they don't give out money, at least not yet. Govia, we're going to you. You're covering the Mets. So they just doled out a lot of money to Francisco Lindor. Uh, you know, under new, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe like 300-ish million. It doesn't sound like a lot. Uh, yeah. But, you know, with, with owner Steve Cohen, he hasn't been afraid to spend so far. Um, but do you think there's any bad contracts? And, you know, are, do you think that any of them they can move? Well, the Mets are always a nightmare, and they're an easy target. It's like the, it's like my younger brother. He was an easy target. We made fun of him. It's too easy, you know. Find a bigger challenge. Make fun of somebody who's more difficult to make fun of than the New York Mets, because the New York Mets are such a train wreck. It's a disaster. Even though they're in a good spot, some players, and they've got the money. They've got King Cohen to run the show. Uh, it just seems like things never go their way. And if you consider what happened in the front office recently over the last 18 months, you know, Jared Porter disaster and the Carlos Beltran disaster that, you know, he was supposed to be the manager, right? It's just like, what the hell is going on with this team? Who's not getting it right? And how does Sandy Alderson still have a job? I, I actually wonder how that's still the case. I know he's a legend. He's a, this goes way back. Oh, look at that. I made it. Ooh, cool. I did that. How did I do that? I did something cool with the background. But he, he has a lot of cachet in the league. That's probably the only reason he's not fired. He's overseeing all this madness. And the Francisco Lindor contract, it's going to be all right. Right now, it looks bad because he wasn't that great this year. And he seems to have lost some of his power. And he's striking out a bit more. And he's not stealing as many bases as we'd like him to steal. But, you know, that's... That's a long-term move, and I'm not worried about that. But other contracts and, you know, some really bad ones. You know, Robinson Cano's still on the books. Did you guys know that? I did. <laughs> he's, he's still there. Uh, uh, he's no track up right now, so I'm looking at all these contracts. Ah, yeah, smart man. That's what we're all going to, no doubt about it. So, yeah, that's a real problem, and I don't know what you do with that money. It's just, they're just going to have to pay that up. I bet that his money ends up in the deferred salary section with Bobby Bonilla and also two other guys, believe it or not, Brett Saberhagen, this is a fun fact, is getting a base salary in deferred payments at 58 years old from the Mets. Did you guys know that? I didn't. You learn something new every day and this was it. I know. That's nutty. That's totally wild. But the Mets are just lost Syndergaard. He left. That was a real bummer. And it was somebody I thought that would take the qualifying offer and try to get back to basics because he hadn't pitched much in the last two years. So they lose him. Uh, you got DeGrom, who's amazing. But then there's other guys that are going to come up for more money with Pete Alonso being one of those guys. Uh, and then other than that, you got a lot of middle vets, like 28 to 31 years old, like Jeff McNeil and J.D. Davis, who are still on a contract at a decent rate, but they, they're they going to cost more. And they also have a glut in that infield area where they need to make some trades. So the Mets have a lot of contracts that are on the books that are going to 
be paid for because King Cohen will pay for them. At the same time, they need to make some moves to free up some money and go in some different directions here, not just for the money reasons, but for the fact that some of these players are redundant and they don't make sense on their team. That's very true. And, you know, I think the first thing in baseball is you have to be willing to spend, which Cohen has showed. And, you know, just to kind of sum it up, the Mets hired a GM who has no baseball experience. And that's a, a typical Mets move right there. Art, I'm, go- I'm going to you because you are beat reporter for Phillies for the day. So, mm-hmm. you know, put on that salary cap hat. You know, this is the one I have. And uh, tell me about the, the contracts they have. Um, I think that, well, the Phillies have six contracts over $14 million signed right now. Um, and it, it could be argued, I think it could be argued that there are two that perha- perhaps could be considered bad contracts. One that I think is a much easier argument is Didi Gregorius coming off of a really poor 2021 where he hit only 209 and didn't provide the same level of pop that he had been providing in previous seasons. Um, where he was hitting over 20 home runs. He only hit 13 this past. Um, He's only signed through 2022, so perhaps with a strong start to next season, he could be movable. But based upon last season, I doubt that Didi is really a strong, movable candidate unless the Phillies are willing to eat some of that salary. And what would be the point if that's the case? You might as well see if he can produce. Another guy, and this is going to be controversial, I think it's possible that we could be looking at the downhill of JT Rio Muto's career. He's going to be 31 at the beginning of next season, um, which is, which is getting over the hill for a catcher. And he started to show some wear and tear this past season. His batting average was down. His power was down. You're not going to get a better catcher for a team like Philadelphia. Who wants to, who, who considers themselves a contending team? I think moving Real Muto is a poor, poor move, but at 20, nearly 24 million in next year, uh, in salary, it could become a little bit pricey through 2025 when he signed through. So I think, uh, that it's could be argued that there are two, potentially two poor contracts, but I don't think either of them are, are movable. Yeah, and the thing about, you know, talking about JTR is there's no DH right now in the NL, so basically you have to put him at catcher. You know, Reese Hoskins is your first baseman, and if he's not playing every day, that, that contract doesn't look as good. Peter, before I get to, to Marty, who's covering the Braves, you must get some enjoyment out of this. Like, we're talking about all these bad contracts, and you're sitting back, glass of wine, you're like, yep, Marlins don't have any. On the flip side, though, let's be honest. I'd love for the Marlins to bloody sign someone. Spend some money. Like, I don't want to derail this segment now, but, you know, Uh Stanley Marte was a Marlin last year. He was an absolute stud as a Marlin. There was a hashtag rolling for three months. Hashtag pay Marte. Didn't pay him, traded him. And they're not going to go and sign him now. So, listen, I think it's a small market team. It's a frugal team. For me, the Marlins are operating. They're playing this game, the game of baseball, effectively with one arm tied behind their back, maybe two. They're, they've sorted out the farm, the pitching's ready, but they are not spending any dough. You have to supplement what you've built with some free agencies and money, and they're not doing it and not showing a willingness yet. We wait I, I, I want to get back to you because that's going to be one of the segments we talk about. I'm going to go to Marty Tallman, who said, you know what, I've had it with the Detroit Lions. I'm going to be a bandwagon and then cover a World Series winning team. So, Marty, you're our beat reporter for the Braves. Break down that contract situation. 
Thank you. And Peter, I'm sorry you didn't have that Marte. I hope I can be your other Marte and, uh, you know, carry it to make you a little bit happier. But, um, yeah, so I wanted to let you know as well, um, a little fun fact for everybody. So Anthony Bass, you know, your Anthony Bass, Peter, um, I had once struck out against him in high school. So, um, you know, he brought the heat and he struck me out on three pitches. But, uh, hey, boss. Yeah, yeah. He went to Trenton High School. I went to Southgate Anderson High School. We were right, oh. next, right next to each other. So, yeah. Wait, yeah, Marty, did you swing? Is. Did you swing or did you just watch three pitches? No, no, I swung. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, no, I took the first one. I just, I was, you know, I wanted to just take it, you know, and see where we're at with this guy. I've heard of him, you know, and his brother was on the team as well. It wasn't as good, actually. But, um, yeah, uh, took the first pitch, swung on the, the last two. The third one was a ball. It's high, but I was just trying to get it. So, in a points league, you got minus one that at bat. Interesting. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. we got we got derailed by Anthony Bass once again. Yeah, Anthony, but yeah, right. Break down yeah, the Braves. Okay. So, uh, yeah, start with bad contracts. So uh, it doesn't get. We'll start with the worst contract potentially in baseball. So Marcelo Zuna at this point, um, for obvious reasons, you know, um, he's not didn't play this year. He it's four years, sixty five million dollars. I'm not sure they even want him to be on the team. I don't know if that's even a thing. They may try to move him. Um, overall, if you're kind of sit there wondering, what has Marcelo Zunian, what is he up to? What is he up to? Um, so he plans to play in the Dominican Winter League. So, um, even if like the charges are dismissed and we won't find out until January, uh, Zunian will probably still face the suspension. So that's where that's at. Obviously a really bad contract. Um, but let's get something a little more positive. Uh, so Will Smith, he's getting 13 million a year, but honestly, at this point, he's worth it. I mean, last year, 68 innings pitch, 3.44 ERA. He had 87 Ks. He had 37 saves. He's looking pretty good. So overall, I'm not saying Charlie Morton, he was worth his contract last year, right? Um, will he be worth the next, you know, will he be worth 20 million in 2022? We don't know. But overall, I mean, it's hard to say there's any terrible contracts when you just won the World Series. So everything looks pretty good on this side. They got Acuna up. They got him good to go. They got Elvis for a while. So they're doing what they can. They look good. Ending on an optimistic note, and um, you know, as as a Nationals fan, I'm just going to give you the bre- the quick breakdown. They showed out a lot of money a couple of years ago um, to you know try and win a World Series, and, and they got out of potentially paying Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. There's two bad contracts they're not able to get off. Straw signed a seven year, two forty five million extension. He has five years, one hundred seventy five million left. He's thirty three years old right now. Spent a bunch of time on the IL last season. Nobody's going to take that. The other one, another starting pitcher, Patrick Corbin, signed a six-year, $140 million contract. Um, he has three years, $83.5 million left. He's 32 right now, but his his numbers are just getting worse and worse. And, and anybody that actually watches the game knows that he was so dependent on his slider to make his other pitches look good that when the velocity goes down, when the movement goes down on his slider, is a below-average fastball, is no very good secondary pitches. I think the Nationals are just going to have to eat those contracts. I can't imagine anybody saying Strasburger Corbin is going to be the missing piece to get us to a World Series. Uh, but I'll be wrong. You know, I'll be damned if I'm wrong. But, Peter, we're going to go to you, and I want you to talk more of this segment because the next is biggest assets, and that's something that the Marlins actually do have. So who would you say are the biggest assets, and are you going to try and keep them or move them for the foreseeable future? Here we go. Who are the assets? Sandy Alcantara, let me give you the ultimate king stud of an asset. And boy, oh boy, Sandy is the man. He, for me, has 
potentially two Cy Youngs in him in the next five years. I'm telling you, that is what I'm saying for Sandy. He is gone to another level. Three years, he's just entering ARB this year. So um, Sandy is uh, under control for three years. There's talk of a potential five-slash-six-year extension they're working on at the moment, though. So they're trying to buy him out of ARB and just lock him in and say, Sandy, we want you here for well the next six, five years or whatever. So, yeah. Um, I guess the next biggest piece really still in the rotation, I guess Pablo Lopez is in the mix. Also Trevor Rogers. I mean, the three of them, those three dudes, absolutely sensational. So they're all young, controllable dudes, controllable pitching. We've seen how expensive pitching is in the open market right now. So it's this is the perfect time. It's what I was saying just a few minutes ago about the Marlins. The rotation is there. It's young, it's good, and it's cheap. You need to do some of this offense rapidly. It was the 29th ranked offense that included Marte, Duval, and Aguilar going bananas in it. So the offense needs needs to be up upped quickly in terms of exciting pieces on the offense side. Jazz Chisholm, I think, has potential to really kick on. Like he's one of those dudes. He's got such exuberance when he's playing the game. He's susceptible to injuries. I think he's one of those dudes. That he throws himself everywhere. So. If he can stay healthy, listen, there's a 40-40 in jazz somewhere. You can tap it in. There's a 40-40 there, oh, I think. Is there. Boom, boom. The speed's there. Mike, Mike's shaking his head, but yeah, he, he says 50-50. That's what he's saying. I know he's saying that. You're crazy. So, so, there's a 40-40 in jazz. There is. The power's there. The speed is definitely there. And and it wouldn't shock 40 me. 40 strikeouts? Yeah, oh, sure. Per week. <laughs> so we're saying with the alliteration, the Marlins have a plethora of pitching. Peter, that was just for you. So, are you trading any of the pitching they have, or are you just saying, "Hey, look, you keep the place the uh, the players you have in foundation, and now you got to spend"? Oh, this is the tricky bit now because, as I've already mentioned, the Marlins not going to pay anyone. There's no free agents. You're not going to be in the pool for a Correa or a Castellanos. It's just it's not in the mo. So, how do you acquire the offensive talent you need? You're going to have to trade some dudes. Um, who are those dudes going to be? Is it going to be Pablo Lopez? Is it going to be uh, maybe a younger dude, a Max Meyer, a top prospect, something like that, to go and, go and get some guys. The Marlins this off se- this off season is ginormous for the for the franchise. The the rebuild it's at that moment where something needs to happen big, big time um, to capitalize on what what they've built. And they could go in so many different directions. It's wild. I would be shocked if they spent money. So coming back to the question, what are they going to do? They're going to have to trade some dudes. They're going to have to trade someone big. I'm not sure who that'll be, but they're yeah. going to have to if they want someone big, young, and controllable. This is the point. If you want a Reynolds or a Mullins or someone that's still in ARP, you're going to have to give up someone big time to get them. Yeah, and, and they haven't been afraid to, to flip some of their prospects. You know, trading Zach Gallon, I think, was a widely scrutinized move, but you know, they, they go from their area of strength pitching to getting a hitter um, and, and you know somebody that's going to be a staple in the offense. Govia, I'm going back to you with the Mets here. I think for years and years, the biggest asset was Jacob DeGrom. And, you know, arguably the number one pitcher went healthy, but that's kind of the caveat. He hasn't been healthy. He's 32 years old now. Um, but is is he the team's biggest asset now? I mean, what are the Mets trying to do? Are they moving anyone? Are they trying to acquire people? Well, moving on up. Uh, Jacob DeGrom is a legend. He's amazing. But he gets hurt a lot. That's why he's not the number one fantasy starter. Uh, just in case you were confused, it's still Garrett Cole. But who knows what 
when or how he'll pitch in 2022. So just puts that aside. He's on the team. He's not going anywhere. Francisco in the door. We covered that. The other one I'm thinking about, Robinson Cano will be back this year. They can't trade him, though, because his $24 million contract is huge per season. $24 million salary coming up this season. They're stuck with him. Although, do recall that Robinson Cano hit quite well in the shortened bozo season of 2020. He was like over 300, and I think he had a, a nice little stretch there and a brief appearance before he got suspended for all of 2021. So was he on the substances of 2020, and then he got busted? And if so, is he going to be trash, leading to the fact that they can't move him at all and they're just stuck with him? Because they don't need Cano on this team. They've already, like I said, Pete Alonso, Robinson Cano, J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil, Dominic Smith. There's too many guys here. Somebody's got to go. And the asset that they need to move is probably Dominic Smith. I feel like he's the one who will get moved, although that is not clear. But he's also cheap enough. He's got $3 million salary. So let's move Smith. Uh, Jeff McNeil, is he done as well? Is this an asset that they can trade? Because there was a time here where we really relied on Jeff McNeil to hit 300 plus and be a really consistent bat. He didn't have a lot of power, didn't steal a ton of bags. He was kind of an old school batting average player, which you don't see as much of in today's MLB. So what are they going to do there? And what about Edwin Diaz? Uh, can they move this guy? Do they want to move off from him? Is he one of the best closers in the game? I'm not so sure of that anymore. I think I would try to trade Diaz if somebody was interested in getting a closer because the Mets have a lot of young bullpen arms in their system that they could rely on. And that also leads me to the fact that the Rule 5 draft will be coming up and there has to be a deadline for declaration. I think it's this weekend. So the Mets have to decide who they want to protect. Yet the 40-man roster has to be declared. And who's ever on the 40-man roster is safe. But anybody who's not on the 40-man roster can be exposed, I believe. So that's another issue that the Mets have to deal with here. And if you look at the starting pitching beyond DeGrom, I don't like it. I think Tywon Walker was a fluke. He kind of fell apart. Wasn't as great as he was in the first half last year. Carlos Carrasco can never stay healthy. Uh, David Peterson, he's a big intimidating force on the mound, but is he someone they can rely on? I think there's major questions with the starting pitching on this team beyond DeGrom. And that's why they really, I think they really needed to keep Syndergaard. You know what? I'm not a Mets fan and I have a headache. I can't imagine actually being a Mets fan or being involved in the front office or having any affiliation with the team. Uh, you maybe go bald if you would do that. Like I'd, I'd probably be out of hair now. Um, but I, I want to go to maybe a little bit more of a positive team. And we're going to go to the Phillies. And Art, I mean, they, they got a couple of studs. You know, Zach Wheeler is a finalist for Cy Young. Nola began the season as the ace. Bryce Harper, finalist for MVP. So what are, what are you doing with them? Well, I think they're they're in their window. They have their best players are all in their prime. You got Harper, you got Hoskins, you got Real Muto, you got Segura, you got on the staff. You got you got basically a full staff already. Nola, Wheeler, Suarez, Kyle Gibson. Once Eflin returns, there might be some little bridge signing for Zach Eflin will never be a thing. I just needed to never. say Never. It's never gonna you, happen. You're you guys have to listen to me. Zach Eflin's gonna be a thing. Mark it down. Cheesecake says so. Eflin's a thing. He's a thing. Uh, I've been saying it for two years. And it's going to happen someday. You make it um, seem like he's a noun. Zach Eflin is either a person, place, or thing. Zach Eflin's a thing. He's a noun. Um, when you look at, at assets, you know, young assets, you know, you might say someone like like a post-hype sleeper type of thing with Alec Baum. 
Um, this year, after disappointing 2021, he could be an asset, but I think they'll probably most likely try to hold on to him. Their minor league assets, they have two guys in the top 100 prospects. Uh, Mick Abel is 20 years old. He only played in A ball last year. <clears throat> he's not anywhere close. I think he's someone they want to hold on to. Also, for, uh, former 2019 first round pick Bryson Stott, shortstop, perhaps the DD Gregorius replacement coming up this season. He's a top 100 MLB prospect. Did very well in, in uh, 2022, uh, 2021 as well. So, I mean, there's, they, I don't think that they have a lot of movable assets right now. But they do. They're all pretty much in their prime. They have a they have a ready to go. They have a ready to go staff. They're obviously going to need to upgrade that bullpen. But uh, but I think that uh, when you talk about their their young guys, none of them are really set to be traded unless you want to go and give away your top pitching prospect for somebody. And I I don't see that as a smart move for them. They're it's kind of dry. It's kind of interesting because the Phillies are like teetering as a five hundred team, like they've been the past couple of years. And you're spending a lot of money with championship mm-hmm. aspirations, but you haven't even, you know, you've seen flashes where maybe they have a five, six game winning streak, the offense clicks, and they have some stars, but there's a lot of dead weight that we've kind of talked about so far. So, Marty, we're going to you now as a, as a beat reporter for a team that previously won the World Series with, uh, without arguably their best player. Yep. What, what's their outlook looking like? I mean, are you keeping everyone? Are you getting rid of them? I mean, what, what's the path to repeating? Well, number one, it just, again, it still just feels good to be a champion, you know, just sitting over here. I'm the only person who gets to be the championship team going into next year. And so as that team, there's always a chance they mail it in, right? <laughs> if they didn't have a really bad beginning to next season. I mean, they've already done what they needed to do. They, they already had, had a bad beginning this year and they still won. <laughs> right. So, you know, like, I don't, when you're, when you're a World Series team, kind of anything go, you know, winning team, anything kind of goes the next season. Um, but the most important things are number one, Ronald Acuna, they have him for the next eight years. Number two, Ozzy Albies for the next seven years. Um, their goal is going to have to be to extend Max Freed. Um, that's going to be something that they're going to have to be able to get done. Now, as far as movable assets, let's say if everything goes awry and the team's terrible, um, they may, they may want to move Charlie Morton to a contender. He only has two more years on his deal. If they can, it's 20 million. So it's, it's not nothing. Um, you know, kind of looking through the team, Danny Swan, Dansby Swanson, they might be picking him back up. Uh, I would assume they will be for that year. Um, then Adam Duvall, um, Mike Soroka, what they're going to really need to concentrate on is building a starting pitching staff. As of right now, they pretty much don't have one. Um, but as movable assets, the biggest ones they have them for the foreseeable future. And as we see, the Braves can do anything. They're crazy. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of one of the things is a lot of people, you know, counted the Braves out when they lost to Cunha. And what they did is, you know, they made a really, you know, kind of, uh, uh, blanking on the word, but very smart moves for cheap costs. Shrewd. 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 Thank you. Thank you. You know, acquiring Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, the, uh, you know, World Series MVP, retool in that outfield. Uh, and you're right. You have your star players locked in for the next seven, eight years. If they decide to sign it, you know, lock in Freddie Freeman, you got a great hitting core that you can build around the Nationals. He's going the Yankees. A- He's going the Yankees. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see if the, if the Braves pay up. Um, for the, the Nationals, obviously Juan Soto, the biggest asset. They got Lane Thomas, who actually looks like he has some promise. <laughs> Josh Bell had a great second half of the season. Maybe Eric Fetty, um, Victor Robles two years ago. 
they got rid of Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. I, I think they could have gotten a little bit more in return, but I, I think they kind of panic sold at the end and just wanted to get him off the contract. Is it crazy that I would entertain offers for Soto? You can say yes or no. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely, I don't, I don't think it's crazy. Oh, hey, Peter, you're with me, right? I, am, am I right in thinking he is he an ARB now already? Soto, he's so, a, you've got two more years, right? This, yeah. this and this more year. Is that correct? Yeah, three, it should yeah. have three more, right? I mean, he'll be a free agent when he's 25, 24? Yeah, the way, yeah, he's uh, he's ended up. He's coming into the moment. He's going to be in a similar-ish spot to Trey Turner, let's say, at the deadline, where you've got a year and a half of control. Let's work it out, I guess, if, if it's only one and a half or two and a half then. but So in, in 2025, that's when he's going to be a free agent. So he's got three years. So he's just starting half now then, right? <clears throat> this is what I'm yeah. saying. You don't want to you don't want to give up on that type of control for a elite the maybe the best player in baseball. You just don't well, do that. Here's my thing. The Nationals aren't anywhere close to contention right now. And this is probably the highest his trade value will be. Now, I'm not saying that you're you're openly shopping him, but if a team says, hey, we're going to give you like a crazy haul for him, because then you don't have to pay him either. And Scott Boris is his agent, so you know he's going to command top dollar. So Prospects I, don't always work out, though. You know that. That's the problem here. And you already made a huge deal to get big-time prospects from the Dodgers. So you got building blocks. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I, I don't think that... You can't it, have that. I, I, I will maybe maybe we'll have to do a, our a YouTube special about whether we get rid of uh, Juan Soto or not. We're gonna go to the next seven. We're going back to Peter, and this is what I'm really interested to hear: some possible off-season targets you think this team will try to bring in or obtain via trade. We already said it's not going to be any big names, but who are some guys that you're looking at? <laughs> Anybody who makes four million dollars or less. Yep. I mean, I'm going to throw out that one Soto to get it started. But anyway, let's move on from that one. Um, wow. I I think there was talk at the deadline anyway. They tried to do a deal with the Angels um, for one of their young outfielders. Um, Brandon Marsh was talked about um, and reported. Uh, I think the Angels pulled away from that deal, actually. And it was Max Meyer was the, the return. So they were looking looking to do like a, you know, a gallon Jazz Chisholm kind of styly deal. Um and get Marsh. So it wouldn't shock me if they, the Angels and Marlins go back and do do something. The Angels have got a plethora of young outfielders, Marsh, Joe Adele, uh, a few others. Obviously, Mike Trout should be back too. So listen, the Angels need pitching. The Marlins have pitching. Um, and they've got outfielders. And the Marlins need an outfielder. I think it's a, it's a nice fit. Um, I also think we'll go and do some business with the Twins by a trade too. I think we'll go and... Um, Buxton's talked about as well. He's expiring deals for one year. So... I'm not totally convinced, but the Twins to me feel like a good, a good trade partner for the Marlins. So you know, maybe we go and get the catcher from them. Maybe you get a Max Kapler. Maybe you get a Buxton. You know, a couple of those names. Um, I think could be interesting. I also think that the key one that looks nice and the Marlins can afford is Jose Ramirez. Two years, twelve million. It's a big ask, but listen, Cleveland, they're in sell mode. I think. Pick up the phone and see if you can do something on Ramirez there. Um, I think could be a really interesting piece for the Marlins. So there's, it's going to be via trade. There's going to be no crazy money thrown around. I just can't see it happening. So you're going to have to trade from the farm. You know, maybe Wilson Contreras, a cheap deal from the Cubs. Catcher, we need, we need a catcher. We need some outfield guys. Um, and then you add just another hitter. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to do, but 
I think that's the kind of approach we'll take. Yeah, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head of like, look, they're not going to give out that big money contract. Anybody that's an unrestricted free agent rejected their qualifying offer, they're not going to go after. They have to be savvy. They have to use the connections. They have to get on those phone lines, make trades. You mentioned Jose Ramirez has a pretty affordable contract. So if you do think that you're in contention this year and obviously pitching's the strong suit, you know, you go after some hitters on the market. Govier, going back to you with the Mets, I mean, are they going to add anyone this offseason? They're going to do any trades? I mean, what, what what's going on in New York? Well, let me tell you something. Don't forget, the CBA is going to expire here in 14 days. So if you want to get depressed, just start getting depressed now. However, uh, I was alluded to the reality that you can actually sign players even though the CBA expires, which I learned from Rob Silver. So thank you. Shout out Rob Silver for teaching me that. So it's possible there could still be moves done. I just don't see that happening because if a lockout occurs, then there won't be any moves. We know that Michael Conforto rejected the qualifying offer. I don't see him coming back. This is a really tantalizing bat, right? Conforto, really solid OBP guy, but he's always injured. Now, is that a Mets thing? Is he going to go to another team and be healthy for the next five years? Who knows? I I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, but I don't think Conforto's coming back. And as far as outside targets, Chris Bryant apparently is not coming back to the Giants. The Giants don't like something about his swing, uh, which is seems strange. I guess they had to really have him on the team when they traded for him to find out they didn't want to have him in their long-term plans. So if Chris Bryant's going to be going into free agency, there was always the rumors that the Mets tried to get him. Now maybe they finally sign Chris Bryant, but they've uh, they got so many guys that it doesn't seem to make sense. There's J.D. Davis and all the players that are a glut in that damn outfield. Uh, Pitching-wise, there's rumors that Verlander wants to go to an East Coast team, and he, considering Atlanta, Marty's team. I'm not not trying to blow up your spot here, Marty. Sorry, I might have done that already by just saying that. But there's also the strong rumors that Verlander will go to the Yankees. But what about the Mets? I mean, if he's going to play in New York on an East Coast team, the Mets are a team that I believe feels that they can still contend for their division because they were in it for most of the season until they fell apart. So I believe signing a guy like Verlander's in play. There's also Starling Marte, somebody they're very interested in. I've heard Marte also could be coming to our Tigers, which I would love. I would love Starling Marte in that English D, in that white uniform at home. Man, that'd be so awesome. I would love to see that. But the Mets are just as interested in Marte. They've been trying to fill the center field issue there for a while. They got Khalil Lee, the youngster prospect from the Red Sox last year to trade. They also signed Kevin Pillar. Uh, you know, that was up and down, not so great. There's Marcus Stroman's out there. Uh, is he going to be brought back? Will the Mets bring him back? He's pretty reliable. I like him. And then there's Javi Baez. I mean, some of the biggest free agent targets were Mets, are free agents here. And are they going to bring these guys back? Would you want to have Javi Baez on your squad? Or guy, he doesn't hit. The guy can't hit. He can steal bags. He can be electric at times. He's the classic streaky hitter. So are the Mets going to do that? Is it going to be Chris Bryant? And then Baez and Stroman and Verlander and Marte, are they going to sound like four or five guys? I don't think so. So it's going to be a combination of probably two or maybe three of these guys, I would see. And the last name I'll throw out there is Max Scherzer. Would he come back and play for the Mets if they give him the most money? Or does Scherzer want to play on the most productive team where he could win another World Series? So a lot of action going on in the Big Apple for the Mets. You know, I wasn't depressed about the days getting dark at 5 o'clock, but when you brought up the CPA, the CBA was expiring. Wow, depression just kicked in, as you can tell by my melancholy voice. 
Art, I'm going to go to you. Give me a little bit more positive news with the Phillies and their off-season targets. Positive news for the Phillies with, with what came off their books last season. To get up, I don't know what their spending plans, but to get up to last season's spending ability, they have $40 million worth of room. So that gives them a lot of wiggle room to play with. It's it's like two and a half Marlins rosters right there um, to, to, to play with. Um, I think right now, the biggest issues they have with their squad are in signing outfielders and in their bullpen. We all know bullpen is a crapshoot. You don't want to go out spending a ton of money on bullpen. You bring in four or five bullpen arms at one to two million dollars each, and you hope one of them are pretty good. I'm not going to go speculating on those, but I think that they could really use some solid hitting outfielders. I came up with a list of seven or eight guys. Uh, I would say a lefty would be their, which should be their top target. So a guy like Schwarber perhaps Eddie Rosario, but I also think a guy like Castellanos or or if they want to go a little bit less money, I think possibly Jorge Soler or even Avi Garcia if they want to even go less money. They need to upgrade at least two outfield spots. Right now, currently scheduled to be their outfielders are Roman Quinn, who is nearly 29 and is is a bust. He's not, he's not going to do it. It's not going to happen. He's no Zach Eflin who's going to start showing up next season. Uh, Roman Quinn's a bust. Adam Hazley also is currently scheduled as one of their outfielders. If you're a team with championship aspirations, you can't have two dud outfielders, two positions where you can actually slot in a guy like uh, a Kyle Schwarber, a power bat, who's a so-so fielder. You can slot in a guy like Eddie Rosario, who's who's a uh, you know good, good long-term sign, not not old yet. Um, I think for them, they go after. Outfielders, a corner, a uh, corner outfielder with a power bat, I think should be their top target. Um, and there are a lot of those on the market this year. I Can can't. I bust in with breaking news, guys? Can I do it? Yeah, sure. go ahead. You guys see what it is? Justin Verlander resigns with the Houston Astros for two years. It's a done deal. I, I was gonna. Say, I, I didn't think there was any chance that he was leaving. Uh, all right, going back to the Phillies, I, I'm surprised you didn't bash about their lack of bullpen. Like that, they've had a, a historically bad bullpen, and I know like that's kind of a minor part. Like obviously, you need hitting to get mm-hmm. to the bullpen uh, if you have a lead. But um, just interesting that you didn't pick up that pick apart that as much, Marty. I I, I just well, let me just I didn't want to sound stupid by suggesting they <laughs> sign an Anthony Bass type who comes out and blows up. Anthony Bass is going to spark us because of this show. Anthony Bass, if you're listening, I promise we love you. This is just what we're saying for the ratings. But, Marty, we're going to go to you. And, and you, the, hey, the Braves are in an interesting situation because, yeah. like, are you are you going to try to retain everybody? Are you going to do what you did last year and make a flurry of trades? Like, what what's on the agenda? Yeah, so we have to start with the, uh, the free agents, okay? So, number one, Freddie Freeman, right? They have to resign. And I assume that's what they're going to do. You know, sign him to one more big contract. And he can kind of ride off in the sunset. He deserves it. He's still at the top of his game with what he's still doing. Uh, Drew Smiley. He wasn't worth the money, right? But I turn on him at the back of the uh, rotation, and they do need something like that. So they may be looking to resign him, but it would be for way less. Uh, Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, Jock Peterson, Adam Duvall. So they got to re, um, they got to get another outfield again. Um, and I was speaking to my boy, Christian Mack of Marty and Mack. As you know, he's a Braves fan, you know. Um, so I, I asked him, I was like, Hey, man, what do they got to do? 
and he sent me an amazing list of everything they need to do. So um, I'll kind of hop into that. But one of them was um, piggybacking off what, what Art said about getting some uh, left-handed batters. Eddie Rosario, you know, I think re-signing him is going to be important for the team. Having you know a left-handed bat in that uh, lineup. Um, moving from there, um, or Max Kepler. I, I know Peter kind of thinking about him as well. I think that's a the Twins. They are kind of in that in-between stage where we don't we don't know where they're going to go next, but they really underachieved last year. So they may be just looking to move those pieces. So I think Kepler will be a good piece. And then they need to shore up the bullpen. So to try to get a right-hander um, to kind of offset Luke Jackson, you know, because um, they can't rely on the bullpen as much as they did last year. So they're going to need to really shore that up. And then always just bring in, you know, a bench guy, which I think is something that the Braves have proven that they could do at any time. You know, halfway through the season, when they're out of it, when they're not out of it, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's what they, that's what they need to tackle. They got a lot of work to do over there while they're so, celebrating. So I think A, they definitely have to re-sign Solaire. Hit lead off for second in all but one game that he was. And it's funny, I was watching the World Series and I was like, I can't imagine being a defender and seeing how fast that ball is. Like, I would be scared to field that ball. The other takeaway I got is AJ Minter is never going to be a thing, just like Zach Eflin. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not so. <laughs> By the way, they won't resign still there. He's too much of a risk. I know he had a fun run, but we're forgetting all the negatives that come with him over his career. And there's no need. They got a World Series out of him. Let him go. All I remember is that 48 home run season. Other than that, I have uh, exactly. a perceptive memory. All just, the years before that, he did nothing, and he was always hurt. Uh, don't don't rain on my parade, Govier, because I'm going to do it enough with the Nationals. You target nobody in free agency. You embrace the tank. This is what you do. You get cheap players on the aftermarket. You see if Kyle Seeger, you know, will sign maybe like a a two-year, nine million dollar contract. Then you go after like an Andrelton Simmons, an Albert Almora Jr. Like you put a, you put a formidable lineup together, but you don't spend any money. You're you're taking a page out of the Marlins playbook and saying we're we're being frugal. We're gonna save our money for Soto. Oh. We know we're not contending. I mean, they finished last in the division and they won the World Series a couple of years ago. Embrace the tank. We got a ring <laughs> out of it. This but, sounds worse than the Marlins, man. That's really now, depressing. Hey, stuff. you gotta be realistic. You gotta be realistic. You can't expect to win every year. We got our legs. Last segment here, and it's just, what are your team's realistic goals for 2022? In, you know, a minute or less, kind of the elevator pitch, the record, and whether they're a playoff team, whether they're in purgatory, or they're pushover kind of in that middle ground. So, Peter, I'm going to start with you. You hear the Marlins record, and your key of where they'll end up. It's impossible to say now, because half of the, the hitters aren't here, so I'm not sure. The bullpen is yet to be built. So it's really hard to give an answer. Not many teams go from 60-odd wins to over 500 um, kind of seasons. So we're going to be 70-something wins, probably, and um, continue on our path. Govier's not happy with that. He's, he's, he wants 69 wins. That's what he's no, thinking. No, I want oh, more. Want yeah. Oh, he said you picked any number and he went to 69. Peter, I love you. And I can tell you right now, you're always welcome back on triple play for that comment. So do, do you think they make the playoffs or not yet? I think I think it's tough. The, the division, the Nats, the, like you said, the Nats are embracing the tank. But the other the other four, including the, I'll put the Marlins in the mix, still a keen. Um, I actually think the Phillies are on the cusp of needing to blow it up as well, actually. Like, I'm... <laughs> I'm concerned about the Phillies in general that 
I, I wouldn't shock me if they go into tank mode, actually. Um, too much money, not enough depth, bullpen chaos. Um, the Braves are too good. Blow it up, fills, and start again. No farm. So, I don't know. Long-winded way of saying, I think we we should have aspirations of being in the mix, but it, it depends on what they do in the offseason. And the reason I had asked is two years ago with the expanded playoffs, they did make it. So it's kind of like you dip your toes in and you're like, oh, you know, this is what playoff baseball feels like. And, you know, awesome. you, you, you go out with it without a year and you're, it's kind of like when you get out of the pool and you're shivering. And you're like, I want to get in or I'm going to my towel. So, Govier, as the Mets, let me hear the record and whether they're a playoff team or not. Well, uh, like Peter said, it's tough to say right now. So that's a caveat that needs to be identified. However, the Mets are probably in that purgatory situation where they're trying to be more than they're capable of being. And the biggest problem will be the pitching. I think the hitting could really bounce back and be quite a formidable lineup, whoever ends up being on this squad. But it's the starting pitching in particular that I'm concerned about now. Who's in that rotation? Who carries them? If there's no DeGrom for at least half the season, that's a major problem for them. I think they want to be kings, but they're more like pawns. Uh, you know, they're not even a rook. They're very much just. They don't have anything to offer right now, other than the fact that they think they're hot when they're not. So I'm expecting them to maybe crank out 80 to 84 wins. Actually, be respectable. Not enough to get a wild card. Uh, I could also see them maybe getting in the lower 70 range of wins. This is a team that uh, wants to be bad, but isn't that good? Yeah, I, I think so. They're kind of in that pushover. You know, one. You know, the, the old four and below, let it go, five and above, give it a shove when talking about rounding. Cheesecake, as the Phillies beat writer, what are your expectations? Another 500-ish season? Um, I think that, you know, if they can reallocate the McCutcheon money that did not get spent well last season, that $20 million that he earned into a, a productive offensive player, this is a team that's going to be pushing for high upper 80s wins. Um, I think that they are close to a wild card contender. They're a wild card contender. Uh, I think they're going to be 86, 87 wins. I like that. I like that. Doing a little bit better, you know, kind of uh, creeping up a little bit. Marty, what about you? Are the Braves going to top the NL East again? You know, obviously, I think playoff aspirations are a minimum, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, so uh, 87 and 75. All right. I think they're going to be maybe wild card, maybe slightly above it. Um, But they have, like I said, they got a lot of work to do. They don't even have a a roster. But I love, obviously, Acuna coming back. I love Albies. You know, I I love what they've built so far. So I'm going to say they're not going to blow it. They're going to, they're they're not going to do what the Nationals did, and they're going to keep trying to win games. 87, 75, put on the board. Okay, I like it. Optimistic. You know, here's just what I'm going to do about the the Nationals. I'm not familiar with the scoreboard. Did you guys hear that? Yes. Loud and clear. All right, perfect. Sad sad trumpet noise. They're going to be bottom of the division. 58 and 104 is my prediction. Like, I have them tanked bad. Because here's the thing. They don't have talent, and the talent they do have, Strasburg, Corbin, they're both going to get hurt, or they're going to be awful. So embrace the tank. Hey, wait, wait. I I can help you out here. What a way to end this segment on a (laughs) melancholy note to bring us up for our next segment, which is Question of the Week. And we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Create an account at monkeyknifefight.com. New depositors receive a 100%, yes, that's that 100 emoji, 
Instant deposit match up to $100. Loving these hundreds. Using code, promo code Triple Play. There's not baseball going on right now, but if you're a fan of other sports, definitely do that. Help win some money. So, Cheesecake came up with a question this week, and I, I like it. Which MLB team could use a jersey upgrade? So, Peter, you're the guest. What team needs a new look? Ah, the first one that comes to mind, just in general, this whole team needs a new look. And it's it's in this division, and it's the defending World Series champs. The Braves, the Chop, all this theme, it's got to go. It's time to refresh the Braves. They won't like mm. it. They'll hang on to mm-hmm. it for your life. But listen, too much buzz about it. The Bravos, it's got to go. New jerseys, new look. You know, just sign off those Braves as World Series champs and become the Atlanta armbands or whatever they want to be. <laughs> I love it. Corporate or corporate uh, or cancel culture coming in and saying capitalism, make new things. Let's make some money off of this. More alliteration. Govier, see you next. Which team needs a New Jersey upgrade? And by the way, Peter, I do agree with you. Uh, Marty, I don't know if I'm going to steal your idea here, but I know it's come across your mind at least once or twice. Our Tigers road uniforms, they need a major upgrade. They are just not fun in any way, and there's so much potential. They got a lot of fun colors. You got orange and the dark blue, and you could, in the 80s, they had some orange trim they mixed in, which I really dug. They're not using the orange enough. The orange is a part of their color scheme, and I would really, don't change the home. We all know the homes are iconic. The English D on the white is fine. That goes back like 120 years. That's cool. Uh, I just don't like these road uniforms because they're boring as hell. Pizzazz it up. Mix it up. Do we even have an alternate uniform that we've we ever the, had? Then Detroit was going to be mine. We are the only team that has no alternate, uh, no yes. alternate jersey. In Major League Baseball. Right. Uh, Isn't that crazy? I don't think we have money, I guess. I don't know. Is, is this kind of crazy that Detroit was mine also? <laughs> like, like, and, and here's my thinking. Like, you're kind of turning the page. Like, they, you know, they they're spending money with an Ed- Eduardo Rodriguez signing. Like, they have some talent with Casey Mize, Tariq Skubal. Like, put out new jerseys. Like, like, kind of get people hyped for the new chapter of the, the Detroit like Tigers. The you know what I mean? Just go off off the wall. No, I'm kidding. No, but <laughs> here's the thing: the home jersey. It's literally been the same damn jersey for seventy years, which is fine. Yeah. But I mean. You know, you could get another one, you know, just for like a game or something. Bring, yeah, bring like, some nostalgia in. Like I it's, I just, wow, that, maybe Detroit really does need a jersey upgrade. Imagine those meetings where, like I said, because, you know, they have these, they talk about this kind of stuff. Like, hey, we notice every single other team has like four jerseys. What are we going to do? Oh, nothing. Okay. Yeah, like they, 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 they let's don't. do a little Caesars promo. Yeah, yeah like they don't like money. It, it makes no sense. You're right, Marty. Get yourself a new jersey. Just do one idea and put it out. Do four different concepts. Create a poll. Put it on Twitter or put it on your homepage and find out which one people like the most, and then just do it. They'll pay you money for it. You will make yeah. a profit on it, dumbasses. Yeah. That lets you know the kind of the fossils that are running that organization at this point. Uh, well, we, we've done enough bashing of the Tigers for a team that's not even in the division we're talking about. Cheesecake, I want to give you the floor and give us your team. I'm just going to say that the Guardians, uh, the, all the mock-ups of their jersey, Guardians looks funny, looks weird on those colors. I think they could use a new color scheme. I think they need a new name. I think the Guardians is a is a weird name. I don't get it. But um, 
But a new color scheme for the new team name, I think I think it would look better, you know, updating that team's color scheme with the new name. You know, it's interesting. So uh, David and I went to a Cleveland airport in uh, August. They had no Guardian stuff. Everything is still Cleveland Indians. So it's interesting whether it's just the timing and, you know, come off season and beginning of next season, that's when they'll implement everything. Whether yeah, the, you know, the stores are just trying to sell out of everything they have or whether they say, you know what, we're not behind this. They're still the Indians in our eyes. So, um, But all great answers, everyone. Well, I do have an alternative one. I had a second one real quick. Right, let's get it. Let's get it. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. I was thinking that as well. They're terrible. Bring back the Randy Johnson, Kirk Chilling thing. You know, those were dope. If we're going yeah. to have that team, you need to do that. I, I agree 100%. <laughs> it, that, that was my first and second, Marty. We're hanging out too much. <laughs> but we're going to go to our last segment of the week. It's our Game of the Week hosted by Cheesecake. My little dessert friend, what are we playing? Gentlemen, 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 tonight we're going to play How Well Do You Know Your Teams? Okay. Um, as we have two two local Tigers fans, I sent you guys all a, a message on Twitter today because you guys are going to be answering how well you know your team's history. And I don't want you two to cheat off each other. So you're going to be sending me your answers over Twitter after I ask for the, the question. And that way, you know, if... If Marty has a right answer, Govier can't be like, oh, I'm just going to copy Marty's answer. You know what I'm saying? We're going to keep this We've been doing fair. this too much. We've been doing, We've been this, doing too this too much. Too much, yeah. So, so really, the, 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 the game is I have nine statistics that I want you guys to give me the single season and career leaders for your squads, the Marlins, the Nationals, and uh, Eric, because – you're, 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 uh, we're going to give you a handicap. You're not going to have to do the expo. That's just nationals. Okay. Uh, uh, and the Tigers. So, um, we'll start off the first category. Give, send me in, in the Twitter, uh, the single season and career leaders for home runs for your favorite teams. And to, uh, time, you know, to, to, to do the Jeopardy thing, you know, I'll be singing show tunes while, while we wait for the answers. Actually, the first one we're gonna we're gonna do a nice number off of Alanis Morissette's "Jagged Little Pill." No, just kidding. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Hold on. Do you, do you I heard some notes. There's no what? counts, right? Just the players. So just the players. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to write the amount. Got it. Oh crap! Can I change my? I sent in my answer. I want to change it though. There's no, there's no swapsies. Too late. Yeah. Oh, come on. Okay, there Art, it is. Art's, Art's the uh, the guardian of the game, so whatever rule he says goes. Okay, well, I updated I mean, my he, answer. I got it on the deadline. It's in. Okay, uh, okay. Um, okay, so I have Peter has Stanton and Stanton. Peter, two for two. Stanton, wow. single season leader, 59 career leader. 267. They've only been right. around for like 25 years, though. Let's make sure that's clear. So. Peter's going to have the easiest one here. Uh, um, Eric, who has uh, who has the Nationals, single season leader, uh, Alfonso Soriano. Very good. I thought you were going to guess Bryce Harper. Career leader, Ryan Zimmerman, also two for two. Two, two L's, two Z's, two W's. <laughs> and and uh, for our Tigers, Cecil Fielder and Cecil Fielder for Marty, over two. Go, go uh, that's the mistake I made. OVA has Greenberg 
and Miguel Cabrera. And it is, Hank Greenberg is correct. The career leader, Al Kaline. Shit! Yeah. It's for the Tigers. God! It's for the Tigers. Damn it, I was thinking his career. That's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But I did put, I put Fielder first for the the individual, then I remember like Greenberg hit like 58 one year or something. Oh. So I, that's why I want to get that in. That's right. That's right. So now we're going to go to a pitching category. Wins, single season and career. We, we currently have two points for Peter, two points for, for Eric, one for Govier, none for Marty, but we still have a few more rounds. This next will be from Spiderwebs. We're going to sing Spiderwebs by No Doubt. Just joking. I'm still not singing. Oh, this is tough. Single season and career wins for your local favorite squads. Is this post-1900, like no pre-1900 cramp? The Tigers didn't play before 1900. The Tigers' first season was 1901. I know, but sometimes they just do weird stuff where they say, oh, that team was in a different division in a different town, and they had a different name, but we include their stats. Like, the stats from the 1880s, that's just stupid. It's stupid. It's true. It's true. If we were doing single-season pitching leaders and we had 1800s teams, it would just be throwing everything off. This is tough. This, the first one's easy, but the second one is tough. The career leader. I'm going to go... Uh, this is really tough for me. My Marlins history is so poor. <laughs> I'm, I'm great from 2016 onwards when I followed the team. But... I, I'm glad that I know the single season for the Marlins. Um, I, I'm glad I'm not the only one struggling with the Nationals. I think we're just waiting on... Okay, we got them all in. All right. There it is. All right, so we're going to start with our two-man our two man team, two team. We got uh, win single season for the Tigers. Denny McLean, 31. Uh, uh, Mickey Lalich is the guest from Marty. Good guess. Verlander. I remember if it was McLean or Lolich. I just, I was like, I can't. Yeah. Who was that guy that got all that, those that one year? Denny had 30. That 30 and 68 or whatever that was. That's right. That's right. Denny. And, and the career leader in wins. This is a tough one. Hooks Douse. Hooks Douse, who I think played in the 30s. See, this Uh, is garbage. This is such garbage. That's exactly what I was talking about. Some BS, (laughs) old school garbage that no one cared about. This Ah. is your team that you don't know the history of your team. That yeah, when black people couldn't play, it was only white people. Yeah, the racist days of the the first (laughs) first Heisman winner from Michigan. I bet you can tell me that. And it was like the thirties. So, so let's let's get real here. All right, let me pull (laughs) this back up. All right. So I think one point. For Denny McLean, uh, and uh, Marty, you're still still stuck on zero points, but the game's not over. We'll get there. Peter, Peter has Jose Fernandez and Jose Fernandez. Unfortunately, Dontrell Willis, single season. I knew that so, one. Yep. Career leader in wins, Ricky Josh Nolasco. Johnson. Oh, Ricky Nolasco. Wow. That's right. And let's see here. Um, Gio Gonzalez, single season leader uh, for, the, for the Nets. That is correct. Career leader, Steven Strasburg. You guessed Max Scherzer. You get one point. It was between the two, but I'm uh, glad Strasburg I got the Gio one. Yeah. Strasburg's on the, the team a lot longer. Come on. Yeah, yeah so but I he's think, always hurt. Right now, right now uh, Eric has three. Govier and Peter both have two. Marty's at zero. Still anyone's game. We're going to go back to a hitting category. Um, and we're going to go with... Uh, a war for position players. 
Oh. Single season and career war for position players. Uh, <laughs> I don't care about war at all. <laughs> what is it good for? Absolutely exactly. nothing. Yeah, I, I could care less. Exactly. Uh, Everybody knows war. Oh, uh, man, I'm taking a shot in the dark with these. Yikes. Yikes. This is so tough. So tough. Yes, it is. I agree. Because <laughs> I, I really just... I never get into war. I really... I know it like encompasses like all the attributes of a player, but I really don't know much of the details because I never care about it. It's not something I focus on in fantasy at all. So it's just not part of my daily routine of it wasn't like part of baseball history growing up either. War came along a little bit later and Yeah, I can't say I play in any war fantasy baseball leagues. <laughs> uh, ah, uh career war position player. This is tough, man. You're killing me. <laughs> okay, are you still not submitted? No, I, I'm, ter- I'm trying to think of the career war leader or position player for the Tigers. and uh, The clock is ticking. All right, fine, 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 fine. I do. Okay, well, we're going to go to Detroit, and you guys are going to kick yourself when you guys realize that Ty Cobb is the career uh, and single-season war leader for the Detroit Tigers. Tyrus Raymond Cobb, uh, again... Early early nineteen hundreds, but yeah, he's 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 one of the he's, top players of all time. Yeah, you're right, you're right. That's fair, but I don't know anything about war, so I don't care. <laughs> also, just for the record, uh, Ty Cobb falsely accused of being a racist. He really wasn't. Dig into the story. Do your Google search, and you'll find out that he was actually a True. better man than people. He was falsely accused by Al Stump, who was a total scumbag, fraudulent writer. So just do your Google search on that. This is true. This is I, I heard well, that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Doc guessed Soto for single season war and Bryce Harper for career war. Bryce Harper, single season war leader and Ryan Zimmerman, career war leader. Yeah. For, wow. For the I Washington Nationals. I was thinking that. I was thinking that. Zimdo. And, and, uh, and Peter, good guesses, Cabrera and Castillo for, but the, they are both also, Stanton is also the single season and career war leader. For the Marlins. Oh, Mr. How much we really care about this stat, the fact that none of us got a single point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, isn't we're going to go. Isn't defense involved in war, by the way? Yeah, yeah. It's I did position uh, just for off, just for position players war, which includes defense. Um, if it was just offensive war, it, I think some of the answers might have changed. But I, I'm just thinking I Stanton's say. not much of a fielder, but maybe he was for a minute there. He's always had a cannon of an arm. I don't know. Okay, fine, whatever. All right, so so for timing, we're going to do five, so we're on the fourth category right now. Okay, so the fourth category is going to be saves. Single season saves, career saves for for your local squads. Oh, and, and just to update, we have a three to two to two to zero. Uh, we're, we're, we're currently tied. <laughs> we're currently <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what we got here. Okay. Yeah, my phone goes, shuts off too quickly. Sorry to hear that. The Marlins haven't had a closer since I followed the team. What? You won't write Anthony Bass as your answers. (laughs) Did you say blown saves? (laughs) (laughs) No. No, What about Rob Nan, man? Take it old school. Who knows? 
I'm giving I'm you a gift. Standard. Maybe Stanton's done a bit of closing now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm in. Okay. I know Marty's going to get this one. You're going to get them both. I should be able to get one, potentially. I either will or I won't. You know what I mean? That is true. Yeah. So. Those are the two outcomes. Or you could tie like the Lions with the Steelers, you know. Hey, it's not That's a loss. Cool. Okay, so we have all the answers in the 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 Detroit Tigers. Uh, Jose Valverde and Todd Jones, both you guys got two points. The single season yeah! leader, Jose Valverde, you, with three nine. Todd Jones, two hundred thirty five career saves. Shout out Mike Henneman, by the way. Mike Henneman tribute. Oh, Mike Henneman, way back in the day, late eighties. It was probably a, would have been him before Todd Jones, I think. But anyways, who cares? Um, Every one of those saves was brutal to sit through. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Pete, Peter went. Peter went with the classic. Just guess the same guy for both. One he went Ziggler for both. Oh, over to Armando Benitez, the six-figured, six-fingered man, uh, forty-seven saves, and Rob Nen, the career leader in saves, one hundred. I told you, I gave you yeah, a chance. Come okay. on, man. <laughs> and, and and Doc, if you had gotten this one wrong, I'd have been very upset. Friend of Pod, Chad Cordero, single season and career leader for national saves. So I'm I'm glad you got that. I knew that he was single season because we brought it up when he came on. I was like, oh, career, oh. he was so long ago. I almost said Rafael Soriano, but I was like, nah, that's not right. <laughs> All right, so um, th- there's. Let's see. I got so five. we're gonna go. We're, yeah, we're gonna go. The last one. All right, this is. Most consecutive games played for your squad. That's just one answer. So I'll be looking for one answer here. I think this is a fun one. So this is what we're going to end on. Most of course, this is hitting, games. right? Yeah. Well, well, there's not going to be a pitcher that really has consecutive games. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, consecutive appearances. Like, I also still, st- still wouldn't add up. Uh, hmm. Most consecutive games played is where you... This is where the rubber hits the road, gentlemen. Are you all sizzle or are you actual steak? Come on, guys. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I just like that phrase. It's a stunning phrase. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to talk about one as well. This, I like is it. A, this is a complete stab in the dark question. I'm here for it. I'm in, baby. Yeah, we're just waiting on Govia. At least unless it's been submitted already. Uh, I'm just I'm pouring over... Uh... Google. Oh, crap. We'll All right. Google real quick. Oh, how dare you? That is insulting, and I take that as a sign of disrespect. <laughs> as you should. My answer is okay. No. Oh, I love the answer, Govie. I'm going to start with the answers that Govie, Lou Whitaker, sweet Lou, put him in the hall. Good, good God, get him in there already. Marty guessed Ty Cobb. The actual answer, Charlie. Charlie Geringer. Charlie Geringer. That's right. <laughs> Charlie Geringer. I typed it in and then I back typed it and put in Lou Whitaker. Damn it. Oh, that's a t- Sweet Lou had a nice little streak going for a while there, I remember. Um, but Charlie had 511 straight games, missed the end of the season, and then did 504 more straight games right after that. So nearly a thousand straight games, if there were, apart from a, a few game injuries. Let's see. Uh, let me get back here. Twitter. Come on, phone. Why are you going away? So we got Hanley Flash. Peter says Hanley Ramirez. Good guess. The actual answer: Juan Pierre. 
486 straight games as a Marlin. Juan Pierre. Also, uh, and, and stab in the dark to our winner, disappointing winner, Eric. 205 straight games. Ryan Zimmerman, you guessed it. That's the winner. I mean, you could have guessed him straight and won. Actually, he had enough team records. You had the easy one. You had the easy one. Hey, but you're the winner. It, it pains to be a uh, fan of a team that sucked the majority of my life. I'm going to give the one person cheer. Yay! That David <laughs> normally puts on for me. But I want to give my face time to Peter. So, Peter, first of all, we really appreciate you coming on. I know it's different time zones, but... For the people that, you know, haven't heard of you or, or maybe, um, you know, are, are looking to see more of your stuff, where can they find you on the socials, the things that you're working on? Firstly, I've got to say, it's been a lot of fun. A lot of fun, guys. This has been great. It's now quarter past 11 uh, p.m. UK time, but I'm, I'm still absolutely pumped and enjoying myself. Uh, I haven't collapsed on wine yet either, so that's useful. Uh, for anyone who, who wants to follow me, my main outlook, really, I'm a Twitter guy, I guess. No Instagram, none of that chaos. Twitter, at Miami Marlins, underscore UK. So that's the main outlet. In terms of pods, if you want pods, fish across the pond for true UK flavor. Roto Brits, if you like your UK fantasy stuff. Or, from next week, daily Locked On Marlins. So, um, yeah, three outlets, one guy. One wife, maybe divorce soon. Who knows? I love it. I love it. Keeping a little bit of suspense. You know, listen to him if you want good baseball insight, if you want to listen to the Marlins, or just want to listen to someone that has a handsome voice and a great, great accent. We are going to be back next week. Maybe David will be back. I guess we'll see. Breaking down another division. There's four left. We haven't decided which one. Everybody, thank you for tuning in and consuming Triple Play, whether it's via YouTube, via podcast, whether you inject it into your veins. And we're going to be like a bread truck in all these buns. Catch you on the next one.